that word in you. Amen? I mean, get it in you. And, and tonight we're going to be blessed because uh, uh, we have a special guest that's going to minister to you. He's going to minister the word of God to you. And uh, the thing about uh, Pastor Craig, you know, there's so many things that I love about Craig. But one is uh, he, he, he pastors in Roseburg where uh, Shelby's mom and dad, you know, we were on staff at that church just a few years ago. And, um, uh, and, and he's there as their senior pastor. He's an awesome man. Uh, today, he, he told me, how many years you've been married? 40, 42 years. He's been married to the same woman. 42 years, which, dude, you don't, you don't know. That's crazy, okay? And I, I know a few of you guys got him beat, but he was like, he was comparing us together, and I'm thinking, I could have been the ring bearer, okay? Just say it. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that I know that in any moment in life, if I had, if I needed something, I could call him, and he'd actually answer, Dude, that's big because you, you do know that you have people, they might, don't look to the left or the right right now, but you have people, you have people that uh, caller ID you every day. And they tell you they were, you know, they were in the middle of something. Yeah. <laughs> Snapchat or something. Uh, but it's good to have people in your life that you know you can call on and that you can count on. And uh, Pastor Craig Schlesinger is, uh, he's like a rabbi because um, he's Jewish, and he, he has an anointing on his life. He has an amazing church, and we're blessed to have him. Would you give him a warm welcome tonight as he comes to minister the Word of God? Hooah! Very kind of you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, it's really good to be here. I, I'll tell you what, I really wasn't sure you existed because for years we, we get uh, Pastor Tom down our way and he'd always talk about Kennewick, but I knew Kennewick existed, but I didn't know for sure that you existed. And you are to be commended. What a wonderful facility. I'm telling you, I, what a great facility. Give yourself a hand for that because you are blessed. You really are blessed. It's a great facility. I, uh, I want to tell you, greetings from Southern Oregon. Our fellowship down there loves Pastor Tom more than they love me. If we, if we asked any of them who they would like to come as a special speaker, hands down, they'd be calling for Pastor Tom. And uh, they, they, they just love your pastor. I love your pastors. They are great people. And I'm, I'm privileged to uh, be in their circle of friendship and the ministry, especially uh, at our men's conference, the Guts Conference. Uh, Pastor Tom, just, he just knocks the ball out of the park. We've had him twice, and, and uh, our guys just love him. Actually, all the men of, of Oregon love, love your pastor. So it's an honor to be here. I want to jump right into this tonight. 
and talk to you, I, I, I really sat there thinking, I've got the wrong message. Because what a, what a noisy bunch. What a goodness. What a... What a what an enthusiastic group of people here tonight on a Saturday night, and my message is about passion. And and I so I'm going to talk to you about a life that is fueled by passion and what that looks like and some things maybe, well, <clears throat> some things maybe you you haven't thought of, uh, at least three things. That an, that an old guy, like myself, uh, has instituted and initiated in his life for 40 plus years that, that will give you longevity as it's giving me longevity. Listen, it's one thing to shout in church on Saturday night. It's another thing to make it work tomorrow to make it work Monday, to, to make it work on Tuesday. It takes a whole other kind of thing when you're not in this group. So I want to talk to you tonight about a life that is fueled by passion. You know, Jesus was passionate. And when we talk about the passion of Christ, we're talking about more than just those events that led up to and including the cross, and His resurrection. Jesus was passionate. He was passionate when He healed the sick. He was passionate when He cast out demons and set people free and delivered them from their bondages. He was passionate uh, in, in, in the feeding of, of the thousands. He was passionate at age 12. We see evidence of that passion that was working in him. At age 12, his parents left town and, and uh, must have thought that he was with them when he wasn't. They had to come back. You know the story. They, they had to come back and retrieve him. And they found their 12-year-old boy in the temple debating with the old rabbis. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there for that? To see what this 12-year-old boy is saying to these old gray-bearded men. He was passionate. Passion is, is, is critical to your life. Listen, if you are not passionate as a Christ follower, there will be, there, there will be no one in Kennewick that really wants anything that you have to offer. That's how important passion is in your life. Passion makes things great. Passion mobilizes armies to sacrifice themselves on the battlefield. Passion enables scientists to, to find new cures to disease. Passion equips athletes to break records and, and go to the Olympics. Passion will sustain you as you are reaching for your goals. Passion turns the impossible into the possible. Without passion in your life, you are boring. Without passion in your life, you are drab, you are dull. 
when, when a Christ follower is not passion, you have become domesticated. Now, <clears throat> down where I live, we have wildlife safari. If you ever come through Oregon down I-5, you get to Winston, and there is, there, there's all these signs inviting you to come, and I hope you do. I, I hope that you'll come and spend your $10 in, in our little area because we need your money. So you come to Wildlife Safari, but I just want to tell you something. You will be disappointed when you see the lions. They do have lions at Wildlife Safari, but these lions are domesticated. These lions have been civilized. This, the, these lions at Wildlife Safari, <clears throat> they have not roared in so long, they don't know how to roar anymore. All they know how to do is yawn, but they do not roar. They have not made a kill in years. Not a fresh kill. The zookeeper comes and he throws the food out at them and they come and they wander over to the, to the food source, grab their piece of meat and go back and, and hide in the shade. Listen, you do, you do not want to become domesticated as a Christ follower. As a Christ follower, you do not want to become civilized. There's something in you as a Christ follower That demands passion. Jesus <clears throat> abhorred one thing. You know what it is? You know what the worst sin, if you were to think about all the different kinds of sins, you, you know what the worst sin would be? I mean, just, just think of all the different kinds of sins. The worst sin of them all is apathy. It makes him sick. The book of Revelation, Jesus said, if you are lukewarm, if you are apathetic, it makes him sick. It makes him want to throw up. I mean, read the Bible. It's what he said. Isn't it amazing that in our culture, it's okay to be passionate about Everything else except God. Well, I say fooey to that. Fooey to that. Now, Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says this. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Now, what is that implying? Come on, think this through. What does that imply? What is he saying? That there, there is, there, there, there's a demand that is, that is upon you and upon me to keep passion alive. To keep it alive. It's your responsibility. It's not going to happen automatically. It has to be maintained. You have to fan the flame. Stoke the fire. Maintain your spiritual passion. So I'm going to give you three things that are part of my life. As a, as a, as a spiritual dad, 
Now, at this stage of my life, I want to give you three things that I believe will keep your, your passion, whether you are 15, whether you are 50, or whether you're as old as I am. You can have and maintain spiritual passion. Can somebody say amen? amen. It's important that you keep your passion. Number one, the number one passion killer in your life and mine is an undernourished spirit. An undernourished spirit. <clears throat> How many of you are packing a smartphone? Packing your smartphone? Did you know that there is a chip in there? Of course you know that there is a chip in there. Uh, you know, Intel, Avago, NXP, there's several manufacturers uh, that, that, that have designed and manufacture a chip in your device that allows you to connect to the Wi-Fi. Did you know that you came, you came, not your phone, you came with a factory-installed chip. You came. It's called your spirit. Your spirit allows you to connect to heaven. Your spirit, come on, work with me. Your spirit allows you to sync with heaven. I need to know how to nourish my spirit man. Now, <clears throat> this is a word, church. You're taught the Bible. I know you are. But... I'm not, I'm not going to come at it from that angle tonight because that you know well. But there are a few other things that I, that I want to that, that bang on tonight with regard to nourishing your spirit. Listen, is there anything more frustrating to you than to try and get onto the internet and have a weak connection? Is that not frustrating? Listen, I've been in motels the last several days as I've been working my way up to Spokane and now back down here in Kennewick. And I, I haven't had a good internet connection since I was home. That, that bothers me. I, I want a good, strong connection. And so do you. And we pay big money to have that high-speed internet connect, don't we? Listen, there is in your spirit the capacity to sink with heaven. But not everyone knows how to make that sink. Jesus came to one town, his own hometown. Here's the Son of God. Prepared able and capable of healing everyone that was sick, but only a few people could get healed that day. Why is that? Because most people 
did not know how to sink with heaven. They drove right through the hot spot. They didn't even know there was a hot spot there. They were not even interested. Totally unaware. I want to tell you something. Your pastor creates an atmosphere wherever he goes. Have you noticed that? There's just an atmosphere that he creates. Did you know that you actually create an atmosphere wherever you go? Wherever you go, you are creating an atmosphere, an environment, a hot spot for things to happen, for the kingdom of God to explode onto people, especially when they are ready. Yeah. I want you to see that. I want you to think about that. The importance of sinking with heaven. Learn to sink with heaven. What does that mean? That means that my inward man is being developed. Not just the outward man, but the inward man. is. Listen, you can have an amazing outward man and be a, a, a pygmy on the inside. What a tragedy. I believe David's greatest, King David, before he was a king, his greatest skill set was he knew how to nourish his spirit man. And primarily through worship. How important is worship? Now listen. I'm not talking about singing songs. Can I move around? Is this good? I'm not talking about singing songs. You can sing songs and not worship. Some of you were proving that tonight. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just in in a group this size, there are people that were just, they 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 were giving God lip service. It was singing the song, but you were thinking about what you were going to have for dinner tonight. You were singing the songs, but you were thinking about what you're going to be doing tomorrow because you're here tonight. Come here. Are you you in a hot spot right now? Come here. (laughs) He's on his phone. That's why I picked him. All right. All right. He's God. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right. He's God, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to worship. I'm, I'm going to demonstrate to you what the very literal meaning of worship in the Bible is. It means to bend the knee. It has nothing to do with singing songs. As good as all this was, as good as all of this was, and it was amazing, it assists us in coming in to an opportunity and a place where we can sink our hearts with heaven. 
So I, I, I'm going I'm to demonstrate to you how to sink. How to sink with heaven. It means to bend the knee. Now, <clears throat> you're the king. Hold out your hand. I, I hope you wash these hands here lately. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I chose the right guy, but we'll go with it. He's God. He's the king. And I am a worshiper. I have, this is the posture of worship. It, it, as the Bible describes, the, the, worship God in the in spirit. The Bible says that. I believe it was Jesus that said that. It means to bend the knee and to kiss the hand. Kiss the hand. That's worship. It's a posture of of surrender. It's a posture of, of, of I'm giving myself. To the king, I'm bending, I'm bowing before the king. Because in worship, the Bible says, and we're not going to turn there, but in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, that when I am in that posture, God infuses, God, God infuses me with strength. Where? Where does that strength where is that strength infused? It's infused in my inner man. It's infused in my inner man. Listen, if you want longevity, if you don't want to just start the race, but you want to finish the race, and I have met a lot of starters, but, but listen, the, the older I get, the few finishers I'm finding. And I value. That's why I like your pastor is because he's a man who determines to finish. I like finishers. I want to see I want to see you run the the, the with endurance the not the 50 yard dash, the 50 mile run. You play good god. Thank you. Give him a big hand. He did a good job. I wasn't sure what that taste was on your hand, but we'll go with it. <clears throat> Let me take a drink. Oh. What was it? How are we doing on time? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I, listen, what was it that, that allowed David to come onto the battlefield with all of his brothers who were, who were part of the army, David was just a kid. What was it that allowed David to challenge that, that monster out on the battlefield named Goliath? What was that? That, was, that? that wasn't outward strength. It was something inwardly. It was something in his inner man because he was a worshiper. And he wrote down... His worship lyrics, God thought so much, of, so much of them, he calls it his word. The Psalms. Those were David's worship lyrics. What allowed David to stand up and face Goliath when, when none of the other men would 
was he was strong on the inside. He knew how to sink with heaven. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that is really important if you want longevity. You and I need to learn how to adorn the inward man of the heart. Can you say amen? Amen. Number two, equally important. And will kill your passion if you have an unbiblical identity issue. There's a lot of people in the church who do not know who they are. That's the truth. In Roseburg and in Kennewick. Misidentity. Bible talks about remaining, John 15, 9, remaining in His love. We need to learn how to remain in the love of God. Say this with me. I am chosen. I am powerful. Say it again. My grandfather was an Orthodox Jew. And he lived with us the last few years of his life when I was just a little guy, little boy. <clears throat> and he would come into my room at night. He, he, did, he hardly spoke any English. He spoke Yiddish. And he'd come in at night. My dad didn't do this. My dad was not a spiritual man. But my grandfather, an Orthodox Jew... He loved God. And he would come in my room at night, and he would put his hand on my head. Now, I hope every father here, or every head of house, if, if, you, if, if ladies, if, if there's not a man in the house, then this job falls to you. But if you're a dad here, you better listen, and you better listen up to me tonight. Because you have no clue, perhaps, How important it is for you to bless your children at bedtime. My grandfather came in. I was just six years old. And he came in and he laid his hand on me. And all I remember of the words, because he spoke Yiddish, he he, uh, confirmed and affirmed to me that I was chosen. 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 I didn't know what I was chosen for. I didn't understand why I was chosen. But my grandfather told me I was chosen. And that has stayed with me, at times almost haunted me. As I was as I was coming to that place where I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ in 1974. There were times I wish that he would have just left me alone. But he would not. I want to tell you something. You are chosen. And, and, and you do your children a great service if you will bless them. And remind them they I want to tell you something. The Bible says that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. 
I mean, before th this world even existed, you existed in the heart and mind of God. Think about that. I don't remember that time and neither do you. But God does. And he said, that's when I chose you. And Paul talks about us in, 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 the, in the book of Philippians and in the book of, of Thessalonica, walking out that chosenness. I need to know who I am. And a healthy biblical identity is crucial to keeping your passion alive. Yes, it is. Who and what you believe yourself to be is one of the most important things going on in your life. And some of you don't like you. And that can change tonight. It can change tonight. The most important thing I need is for my heart and my mind to be renewed. You need to stop condemning yourself. You need to believe this. God is not mad at you anymore. Every time I say that, every time I say that, there's people that want to fight me on that. God is not mad at you anymore. He has lots of reason he could be. But he chose to put all of that anger and all of his wrath on his son at Calvary. And he's not mad at you anymore. Even when you're being stupid, he's not mad at you. Now, that doesn't mean he won't discipline you. Because, in fact, he, how many of you have been spanked by the Lord? Because if you haven't, you haven't even started to live yet. Listen. Listen, I have been paddled by the Lord, but it's because he loves me, but he's never mad at me. And I have become convinced of that. And that is the most freeing. That is, in fact, how I quit smoking. Now, that didn't just happen last week, but <laughs> I had a two pack a habit day. Two, I smoked two packs a day. Menthol. I mean, I was trashing my body. And I can't even imagine people smoking today at, at five bucks a pack. More than that? How do you know? <laughs> Just teasing you, honey. Just teasing. I think it is more than five bucks a pack. Think of all the money you're wasting and all the life you're wasting. I want to tell you something. God still loves you even though you smell like hell. He still loves you. He's not mad at you. Hey, he's not mad. He's going to let you smoke if you want. Now listen, I'll tell you how I got delivered. I got delivered from cigarettes when I realized that that addiction did not match my new identity. And the moment, the moment... That hit me. The cigarettes were gone. From that day to this. That's how you'll get delivered. Not guilted. Not condemned into it. But you realize that does not match my new identity. Oh, it's good stuff. 
All right, lastly, and I know I'm on overtime here. Can I just do this last one? What is it? An unsupported lifestyle. Listen, this one, how important is this? How important is it that you begin to understand, dear one, that you cannot go this alone? And, and if you think you can, you are a failure waiting to happen. You are a, an explosion waiting to happen. So how do you know? I, I'm old enough to know. I am old enough to know. I did not read these things in a book. I have watched this happen. I am the fourth pastor of our church in Roseburg. And the three before me all had to be removed because of sexual misconduct. My wife said, you want to go to Roseburg? Are you out of your mind? Because she knew the history. And in all three of those cases, they're better preachers than me. They're not better looking than me, that's for sure. All, they're all three ugly men, but there are better preachers than me. <laughs> My wife said that J Jewish men are either really good looking or really ugly, and she said, you're really good looking, honey. And I believe her. <laughs> all three of those men could preach better than me. But those men are not sitting in, in that chair today because they tried to live an unsupported lifestyle. And I especially want to talk to the men for just a moment here, and I'm just and I'm then I'm gonna close. You you cannot live, gentlemen, as a as a as a passionate, on fire man who will influence his city and his nation and his family. And his church, if you try to live unsupported, you've got to have some other men standing with you. You've got to have some other men standing with you who know you well enough to confront you. And you have got to search them out. You have got to find them. And, and you need to do that. If you haven't already, you need to start that search tomorrow. Because living a life fueled by passion demands it. I know there's, there's, there's ones of you here tonight that have been struggling in one or all of those three. And I know we're going to have a prayer team on each side of the, of, the, of the sanctuary in a few moments come for prayer, and I'm going to be on that side over there. And if you're a man and you've been struggling with one or all of those three, I hope you'll come find me and let me lay my hands on you and pray with you. Because I believe God wants to set you free, give you renewed passion, in Jesus' name. Pastor. It's awesome. Awesome.
Amen. Yeah. Great job. Thank you. You, you know, uh, when, he was, when, uh, when he was going through his points and, uh, you know, number two, what was it? Uh, unbiblical identity. An identity, uh, uh, not, not understanding who you are in Christ. Not understanding, you know, number three, not understanding that you weren't meant to do life alone. You know, not understanding. You know, Mark four twenty four says, "Be careful what you hear." The word "hear" is actually "understand." Be careful what your understanding is. Be careful what your understanding. And let me break that down just so that you, so it's really clear. Okay, so because uh, I'm just a real simple guy. Be careful what you're standing under. Okay, your understanding is the authority that you that you take your stand under. You, you know, it's, it's really as simple as this. You know, the enemy wants you to believe that you're a loser, that you're a failure, that you're weak, that you're good for nothing, that, that there's no hope. But if you were to just, you know, like look to the heavens and, and paint a white line across the sky, and on one side is, is lies from the pit of hell, and on the other is truth from the Word of God. You've got to ask yourself, which side are you standing under? When it comes to you and who you are, that God's not for me, but, but, but you know, he, he, he's trying to hurt me. He, he's against me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not, that's not truth from the Word of God. But a lot of us live, we're standing under. That's our understanding. And it's, you know, you know, it's time to change that understanding. You can't, you can't succeed alone. You can't. And a lot of us, you know, we, we're, we, we try to do it. Well, we need to change our understanding. Well, how hard is that, man? You know, this is the way I was raised, and, and this, is, this is the way my mind works, and this is my personality, and, and it's, it's difficult to change my understanding. No, no, right now I'm standing under this. Now I'm standing under that. Okay, all I got to do is change where I'm standing, and it'll begin to change my understanding because I'm standing under a new authority, a new, fresh work. And what we're going to do, we're going to pray together tonight. Some of you, you just need to take a step. Man, you, you want to talk about crazy, radical breakthrough? You, all you got to do, take a step. Change what you're standing under. Because the enemy's lying to you. He's, 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 he, I'm telling you, he's, why? Because he's good at his job. That's his stinking job. And, and Jesus said, you know what? The sower, he's going to sow the seed. The seed's the word of God. And the enemy's going to come, and he's going to try to take it. And right now, you know, there's like a little glimmer of hope. You mean not, God's not mad at me? Yeah, we promise he's not. If, if he were mad at you, you'd be a greasy spot on the highway of life. Okay? You know, there wouldn't be a prayer possible. But he's for you, not against you. Okay? And, and he, he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's calling. He's calling to you. And he's, he, well, why doesn't he come to me? Because you need to change where you're standing. He don't. He's not changing his stance. You're changing yours. And so tonight, we, we want to invite you. And, and just, man, it's a step. And i got to change what I'm standing under. Because you know what? I've been, I've been lied to. I've been deceived. I've been, I've been abused. I've been, I've been ripped off. And, and tonight I say, no more. No more. I'm going to let God be the ruler of my life. And anything that's on the wrong side of the line, I'm no longer standing under that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stand under his word. I'm going to stand under his promise. I want, you, I want you to close your book and bow your head. And if you're in this room tonight and you know 
I mean, your heart rate's gone up a beat or two just, just, just now. And you know that, man, that's what I need to do. I need to respond to God. I need to let God have my life. I, I need to admit my need for him. And I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to get, we're all going to pray a prayer together. Tonight, I won't do anything to embarrass you at all. But, but if you're here and you say, you know what, tonight, I need to make this my prayer. Well, nobody's looking around. I just want you to hold your hand up and say, Tom, that's me. I, I need to do it. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Real quick. Thanks, guys. That's so cool. I'm telling you, the best decision you're ever going to make is to say, okay, God, here's my life. Take it. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to come to you. I'm, I'm going to run to you. Instead of running from you, I'm going to run to you. And I'm going to give you my life. And I'm believing for something different. I, 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 don't, I don't want just a momentary change. I want an eternal, radical change in my life. You can mess with me, God. Change the way I think. Change the way I feel. Change the way I make my choices. Change me from the inside out. So I want everybody in this room to pray this. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. Give me a new vision. Give me fresh hope. Give me renewed strength. I choose to live for you and you alone from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give God a big shout and a praise. Thank you, Lord.